Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. Well, this day in history has a lot of interesting points. This is uh, in 1802, the first comic book was published in New York. Uh, it was The Wasp, created by a guy by the name of uh, Rusticoat, Robert Rusticoat. Uh, also on this day in history, in 1846, U.S. annexation of California was uh, proclaimed at Monterey after the surrender of a Mexican garrison. Well, uh, much of California has been now annexed to Mexico <laughs> simply because it's been invaded by large numbers of Mexicans. You can go to places. I've actually come to places and towns and, and stores in, uh, in major cities in uh, California where you couldn't find anybody who spoke English. So I guess that part of it has been annexed back to Mexico. Um also on this day in history, they also annexed Hawaii. This idea of countries annexing uh, other pieces of ground and land and peoples is an amazing concept. And uh, there's actually a comedy routine by uh, an English comedian who talks about uh, having got a country, uh, having got a flag, you can't have a country. And uh, it brings us to this term of civilized nations, which is really kind of an oxymoron in my opinion because the civilizing bringing nations under civil authorities bringing them under these flags these governments these central authorities is uh is a concept that really should be as foreign to christians as uh anything that we now uh would consider to be foreign to us is the idea of subjugating whole tracts of land and, and peoples under a single government has become so commonplace that we think it's natural and actually it's a departure from nature itself. On this day in history, in 1930, uh, construction began on uh, Boulder Dam. It's now called Hoover's Dam. And uh, it's an amazing uh, structural accomplishment of man that he can do under these powers. It was part of this uh, rural electrification program that was going on back in the 30s. The Tennessee Valley Authority and things like that where huge amounts of tax dollars went into the building of uh, dams and uh, electrification of the nation. And it it was considered great and it uh, was considered a wonderful thing. A lot of people got power quickly that would not have got power otherwise because of these huge governmental projects. But there were side effects that nobody ever talks about. Out here in this country where I live, we were a long ways from rural electrification. So individuals got together, built a hydroelectric plant uh, off of a creek that came down from the mountain, a little tiny creek. 32 volt system uh, with a rheostat that was as big as a truck tire, uh, made out of porcelain and steel. Uh, a pelt wheel uh, operated it, but it was in a cast iron construction about 10 times what we now see as pelt wheels uh, being sold to individual uh, power uh, producers, you know, people who are uh, producing their own power. There was a airplane size 
generator, wind generator, out on what we call the Rosebud. Rosebud is still has no power. Uh, they've got their own little generator, but uh, the people who used to farm the Rosebud had moved closer to the highway and had a place on the highway where they did have power. So that old generator that used to generate electricity by wind out there fell into disrepair, and I've seen it sticking in the mud halfway buried. What happened when you had this government-produced power is the individuals lost the enthusiasm for producing their own power. And self-sufficiency died. That independent ingenuity that made this country great, that made it a nation able to have vast numbers of people moving out into the wilderness, into new territory, and developing their lives and their own means of sustaining themselves and sustaining others around us, died because we began to look to the central authorities, the central powers, in order to give us what we needed. We literally made gods of men. And that's going to be one of the topics that we're talking about today is this idea of making gods of men. And uh, it brings me to a couple other uh, events in, in history. And I, uh, some of these I don't really tie in with the kingdom, but it gives you an idea of perspective. It was seen in 1949, the police drama Dragnet premiered on the radio. Now, many of us can remember Dragnet from... That was actually some of the same people uh, who were on the radio were in the uh, TV show, Dragnet. And it was, you know, kind of a popular show. Uh, I watched it as a kid. Others, uh, my own sons, they liked to listen to the radio shows. Uh, we didn't have TV out here, but uh, they would get the, some of these radio shows that were rebroadcast, and we could actually get reception of a radio at night, and they would listen to them. But they found them entertaining, but... What it was was if you wanted to be safe, again, you were looking towards a police force that was established to protect you. But how was that established? Again, how these things come about, even though they produce a seemingly good result on one hand, safe streets, uh, lighted streets, uh, something else disappears because of the way in which you obtain these supposedly good ends. In other words, the ends justify the means. But are we really seeing the full ends of those means? Are we losing something? And what we did lose, and the, was my kids actually saw an old movie called The Hue and Cry, and it was actually kids during World War II in the streets of London. And this idea of hue and cry was an ancient term where if there was a crime, people had the hue and cry. Somebody cried out, I've been robbed. Everybody poured into the streets. Everybody came to the aid of those who were abused by unlawful acts and came to their defense. We've lost that, too. Not only this independence of, of sustaining ourselves and providing our own needs, but the human cry of society. It's gone. Now people are raped in the streets and nobody comes out. 
They don't even call the police. They shut their shades. They turn off their lights. They hide in their apartments. Sometimes broad daylight, heinous crimes are committed, and nobody comes to the aid of the individual. And I've told many stories that have come across in my life over the years of where people were absolutely doing nothing. And the one man who did something, it was so shocking, nobody could understand. Why is that man getting involved? Why is he doing something? Doesn't he know that's the job of the police? No, no. In the kingdom of God, it's your job. Because you take back your responsibility. Now, we'll bring you to another event that happened on this day in history in 1981. President Ronald Reagan nominated Sandra Day O'Connor to be the first woman Supreme Court Justice in the U.S. We also recently talked, and we actually have a radio show that we just, I sent out a newsletter. Actually, it's going on as we speak. It takes quite a few hours for the newsletter to actually go out to everybody. <laughs> so uh, I was up very early this morning and sent it out, and uh, it has a link to some of our past shows. Uh, on other networks that you can listen to, our blog talk and uh, Freedomizer and stuff. And uh, you can um, hear some of them, and one of them was on this recent decision that Obamacare is legal. Why is it legal? Well, we had uh, ministers uh, that are with us in the church that were telling people ahead of time that this is what was going to happen. And we have a link to the article in that newsletter, which if you're on the Kingdom News, letter list you will get if you're not you won't get it <laughs> so uh, and there's nothing i can do about it because you didn't take the responsibility of signing up but uh you can find those links if you join the network at hisholychurch.org there are contact ministers who can tell you where you can hear some of those shows that explain why these things are happening what i've been just kind of intimating with these point in history, on this day in history point, is that we we know why this is happening. We also know how to get back to that place where you can reverse that process, where you can start to become free individuals, independent individuals. You're, you're not ready for freedom. If I could give you a form that you fill out and you just presto bingo, now you're sovereign or you're free or you just join our Restore the Republic group, and you, I, I, we have a program on that where they were having people uh, fill out their application for um, an ID card with them. And they called it a warrant, and we explained in that show that that's exactly what you were doing, is you were filling out your own a warrant for uh, arrest, because if under the verbiage of that document, you could be arrested today under the present existing statutory laws of the United States. And you can go say, oh, the United States is unlawful, it's illegal, and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is you don't understand what's going on. And we're trying to enlighten you as to what's going on so that you can actually do something practical and valuable, like those early settlers to this Summer Lake Valley who put in their own power system and their own electrification and were becoming an independent valley. We actually have a river down below us that comes out of the side of the mountain. Just uh, We probably live closer than anybody in the valley to where that river comes out. 
and uh, it, it's dammed up, dammed up by horses back in the 30s, and uh, it irrigates thousands of acres, but it has a huge drop of water, 600 and some acre feet of water coming out. Uh, I mean, it's just a huge pipe. We could put a power generator on that and generate all the power for this valley. Uh, actually, just 40 miles away, they have hot water wells that they believe will generate enough power to light all of Portland and much of uh, western Oregon. And uh, all they need is people to come together and help make it happen. But people don't come together and make things happen anymore. They sit around and get emails and they listen to the radio, and they're not doers because they're waiting for somebody else to do it for them because they've lost the the magic, if you want to call it that, of what made this society great. It was doers that made this society great, people coming together. You go back into ancient Rome, 400 years before Christ, they were building ships that would carry thousands of passengers, literally floating cities that traveled all of the, over the Mediterranean carrying tons and tons and tons of cargo, grain, stone, uh, or all kinds of things, floating cities. And they were building them. How did they do that? They got together. They knew a way in which to get together. It wasn't slave labor. It was hard work. It was cooperation. It was industry. And we've lost that. Now, it's still around, but the means not only justifies the end, it determines the end. And what's happened in America, the falling we see in society today is a result of the fact that we chose the wrong means to electrify this nation, to motivate this nation, to educate this nation, to provide health care for this nation. And if you go back and listen to that old recording on Freedomizer uh, has to do with subsidizing, you'll see. And they explain, they actually tell you, that's one of the things that I'm amazed the judges often tell the people what the problem is, but people aren't listening. And one of the major problems is people think the problem is outside of what they're doing. The problem is somebody else is doing bad. They don't look at themselves enough, hard enough, to realize that they've missed something. In the case of Indianapolis, Indianapolis Baptist Temple, uh, when the uh, pastor there handed me the paperwork that they had gotten back from the judge, and I was reading it, I, I, I mean, I hadn't read it for two minutes, and I said, well, they're telling you, the judge is telling you what the problem is. Uh, the Nebraska case where they locked up that church and put APDs out for all the people in the Baptist church and, and locked up the pastor. The judge actually came down and prayed with the pastor and asked him one question, stopped him. As soon as the the uh, pastor began to read what the judge asked him to read, stopped him at one point and then said, let's pray. They prayed and he left. He didn't tell him. But when he stopped and the guy started going back over what what the deal was, and he realized, oh, my gosh, my church is a corporation of the state. Um, 
citizens, uh, I can't remember what it is, Oregon Citizens uh, Association or Alliance or something here, um, the head of that was going to jail, and the judge was telling him what he needed to do. But he can't tell you directly. But if you listen, you would have realized what the problem was. And, of course, uh, this is what we write about all the time, what the problem is. So anyway, on this day in history, there were two people born that were fairly famous people. One was John D. Rockefeller. Uh, he's listed as an American oil company magnate and a philanthropist. And he is a philanthropist. But some of the things that he promoted with his money had an end in mind. And that end is taking place as we speak. And uh, he was uh, financing a lot of things, and we talk about that in School to Fool, and uh, and uh, you can read all kinds of stuff about him, but he isn't the problem. Another fellow who was born on this day in 1940 was Ringo Starr, but of course he, he, he marched to the beat of a different drum, uh, if I may use that uh, metaphor here. <laughs> and... Uh, well, they saying all you need is love, uh, that isn't what Rockefeller had in mind, although he has a love too, but it's not a love for you, it's a love for money and it's a love for power. And we always say that if you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office, or they'll seek those offices for those that they, their cronies, the ones they want to put in place. And, and we can go back to Samuel 8 and read exactly what kind of people you will get in those offices, if you create those offices of power. But anyway, now I'm going to read you a little glitch from, uh, or a little uh, slippet from uh, an article that just recently came out. Uh, it's called White Male Judges, the Supreme Court and Judicial Diversity. It's by Jeffrey uh, Bindman, and uh, it's written in England, and it says, Britain's most senior judges are far removed from the makeup of the general population. A more diverse judiciary would increase confidence in the justice system. Didn't say it was going to make it better. It would just increase confidence. That was the conclusion of the House of Lords Constitution Committee in a report published the 28th of March, 2012. It also said, we support the current appointment model and believe that no fundamental changes should be made. Well, uh, they, they don't want to relinquish any power. They're just saying that you need to pick a more diverse group of judiciary. And, of course, they're talking about the Supreme Court there in England. And that's why we supposedly see these different people that... Uh, you know, a woman judge and a black judge and now several women judges on the uh, Supreme Court. But these judges, like uh, Roberts, make these decisions that are contrary to what we want or a lot of people want, and they're very upset about it. And, but the problem is we don't understand how the system works, and we need to understand that, and then we need to operate in a system where we have more influence. You know, there recently I think it was New Hampshire governor talked about jury nullification and is like I, I think he actually uh, signed uh, an executive order or 
or a bill or something, you know, bringing or supposedly reinstating jury nullification. That's where a 12-man jury can actually overrule the law and let somebody go. And in many states, jury nullification actually is in place already in the Constitution. But, of course, in the courts that you appear in, you're actually in administrative courts where the jury doesn't have that power, and the judge can actually overrule the jury and send the person to jail. Uh, we're, we're seeing all kinds of injustices going on. Well, some of us are seeing. Others are sitting there, you know, wondering what's on TV. Uh, but we there was a fellow who was producing uh, MMS, which is a substance that some people use for health purposes in many third world countries because of malaria. Other people are uh, experimenting with it. Uh, it's an absolutely legal substance. Uh, it uh, is a natural substance. It's used for water purification for decades and decades and decades. NFL was producing it and selling it, and he wrote to the health department and uh, said, you know, is, is this illegal to sell? Am I doing anything illegal? And he didn't get a letter back, and he never got any complaint. And But he did get raided eventually after several years. Suddenly they raided him with, you know, machine guns and, you know, drawn guns and, and confiscated all the money in all of his bank accounts and confiscated his computers and even the stuff out of his medicine cabinet, you know, toothpaste and everything else. And they just absolutely devastated his business. And he still doesn't, to this day, doesn't know what he was charged with. He's still trying to fight this. and But he's absolutely crippled his whole family. They lost their business and everything. And he was completely upfront. He was saying, is this illegal? Is anything I'm doing illegal? He wanted to know. He wanted to be in compliance with the law. And they didn't, they didn't say. They could have easily gone to his house and said, well, we don't think you should be doing this. Okay, can you show me the law? Because as far as I can tell, it's legal. Or they could go to the legislature and and say, you know, what he's doing we think is illegal. Uh, and, or we think it should be illegal. And go through the process. But no, they just administratively came down and confiscated everything he had. The fact is they already owned everything he had. He didn't own anything. He had legal title, but didn't own anything. He's already a slave. And they think he might be doing something bad. They don't have to go by the statute. They just go by the administrative rulings. And people don't understand it. Gibson Guitar. You know, they make guitars. They don't make drugs. <laughs> they don't make things that are medicine. They make guitars. They were rated in the same fashion. And what did they do wrong? They might have used the wood in one of their guitars that was not legally shipped to the United States. Yet they had all the paperwork. And you could go in easily and say, uh, do you have paperwork on this guitar? Do you have paperwork on that guitar? Do you, well, we think there might be some of these guitars that are made of wood that is not legally brought into this country. Not legally because he broke laws in the United States, but not legally because he might have somebody in those other countries might have broke the law when they shipped the wood to Gibson Guitars. Now, they tried to make sure, but yet here they are raided at the point of a gun.
What happened is they're simply knocking on the door. These are not dangerous people. They make the cars for guys. We're going to give you the solution to all this when we get back. The keys to the kingdom. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559 Welcome back. We're talking about courts 
and judges and the problems with America today. And we have lots of solutions. They're not the solutions most people want. Most people want kind of McDonald's solutions, easy solutions, uh, Walmart solutions to their problems um, where you just go and you just pick up, oh, here's a solution for this and here's a solution for that. The solution is really very simple. If you see a diminishment in rights of individuals, it's because individuals have not taken responsibility. They have left their responsibility somewhere to themselves, to their families, to their society. And so we see things like universal health care coming in. We saw the same thing coming in under different emperors uh, during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire because they had decided to go a certain way of centralizing authority, centralizing government. Oh, it's such a hassle to show up and, you know, to help, you know, hue and cry. Get, get some centurions to go out there and enforce the law in the streets. They should protect our streets. I don't want to have to run out every time there's a problem. Well, you should be under authority because you're irresponsible. You're slothful. And the slothful should be under tribute. It takes a real special kind of individual to be free. And to form a free society, it takes many of these individuals coming together. I saw in the chat room that somebody had been complaining about Walmart. The fact is, all those independent businesses, they could gather together and they could form a buying institution to purchase these products so that, uh, or any products, or provide products, or campaign together. I know a lot of people who won't even shop at Walmart at all. They won't. They brag about I haven't gone into Walmart in two and a half years, <laughs> and you know I've been Walmart clean. And uh, there's other people because of that. Walmart has actually started carrying more local products. Uh, not very many more, but a little bit more. Trying to look like a nicer Walmart. Uh, the reality is, is uh, I know many people who really go at great lengths to find American products. And the fact is, is that if you gather together, you can get these things done. If you network with each other. But the, what's happened is we have become pervasively selfish as a society. Businesses are very protective. I've even seen this in church groups. Church groups amongst those who want to become First Amendment churches church groups that don't want to incorporate, don't want to become a part of the the uh, state church, they still don't come together in the basic principles of Christ. They covet their little congregation, their little groups. They don't work together. They're almost secretive. Well, actually, in some cases, they are secretive. They don't gather together with other congregations because they fear, oh, they might take away some of my congregation. Oh, they don't say that out loud, but that's really what it comes down to. They aren't marching to any different drum than that of the Rockefellers who covet. You covet your congregation. You covet the decisions and actions of your congregation. You want them to be your congregation. 
big mistake. Big mistake. Void of the Spirit of Christ. And so, um, uh, I was checking to see if somebody, in, uh, if I was disconnected or something. <laughs> uh, and I was being called, but you're off the air. <laughs> I guess I'm still here. Um, you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see some of the stuff. I actually am loading the chat room. All of you people want to go to the chat room. It's at www.far.com slash chat slash. And so I was actually monitoring that. We've got at least two other uh, guys that are helping make this happen because I don't have DSL. Uh, I can't Skype into the radio show. Uh, but fortunately, we're starting to develop that teamwork to make it possible to come onto the radio, to network with other people, and to make things happen the way we used to do by working together. And that's, that's a tremendous progress in uh, our, the very little scheme of things that we operate within. But it can grow. If we can find more of those doers, you can do tremendous things. But you have to find them and bring them together. Now, this idea of judges making rulings that we don't like, and there's actually, I could give you, I had a huge list of uh, a different uh, situation. I mentioned the Gibson guitar and the fellow who produced it, produced MMS, uh, uh, Ed Snooks wrote an article about it and appeared in News of Views and on his, uh, um, what was it, the U.S. Uh, Observer uh, newspaper. Uh, there's a judge uh, who just held the lawyer in contempt of court because he was insisting that the individual get a trial by a jury of his peers, and he felt like he wasn't getting it. The judge was allowing uh, people into the jury that he thought should not be on the jury. And picking a jury is very important if you're going to have jury nullification. Of course, 90% of the people who sit on juries today haven't got a clue what it says in their state constitution about jury nullification, about the fact that the jury has the right to decide fact and law. And, and also, most of these juries take an oath, not prescribed by statute, and I... I've never finished publishing that whole series on that. I would if I had more spare time, and I would have more spare time and more people work together. It's one of the things that I want to encourage the local networks to actually form networks where I don't have to be any part of what's going on on the general networks in the different states. They can handle it themselves. If they have a problem, they contact other more experienced contact ministers and they work out and solve these problems and I'll go off and I'll finish the two dozen articles I have and start showing you doing what uh, Scott said is my voodoo doing what I do the best is quoting what Blazing Saddles I guess <laughs> in an email uh, it's funny Blazing Saddles the old movie like that has come up this week about five times in conversations with other people <laughs> I don't know, has there been a resurgence of that or something? <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, writing and uh, and making some more videos would be, I think, helpful to building the network. I know I could write for News and Views, and they're encouraging me to write more articles, but 
these things take time and effort, and uh, every one of us are cut thin on the amount of time that we have because so many people are not doing anything. They're not working together. They don't know how to. They've been dumbed down on what it takes to be a free society because the problems you're seeing today are the result of the ends that we have been using for over 150 years in this country. And they say, oh, well, if we just roll back the Obamacare, then life will be good? No. You really have to get back to a state where you're... People talk about being off the grid. Why aren't you creating your own grid? Why aren't you creating your own school system that isn't a public school system that is that is uh, providing so-called education by kicking in your neighbor's door or frightening your neighbor that you might do that if they don't contribute to your public school. Public schools are provided by a tax system that is based on you coveting your neighbor's goods, taking away from your neighbor. Read the commandments, and you tell me that your tax-supported schools is not violating the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, anything that is thy neighbor's. But yet you think it's okay to pass a bill to force your neighbor to pay for your public education. That's a violation of the Ten Commandments. And you cannot be violating the Ten Commandments by policy and tell me you love Jesus Christ. I don't believe it. Because he said if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. And that includes not covering your neighbor's goods. You cannot be a socialist and a follower of Christ. Cannot be. It's impossible. You're deceiving yourself. You don't believe in Christ. Christ was not a socialist. Christ did not say, okay, we're short of bread here at this sermon out here in the wilderness. We don't have enough bread. So he got the apostles, all who had swords, and said, you go amongst the people and make them contribute. So we'll have enough bread. Force them to contribute so that we'll have enough bread. And anybody who doesn't contribute, you give them a smack with your sword. And then the next guy, he'll contribute. That's the way your society operates today. That's not what Christ was doing. That is not what he was doing. So why are we having these problems? Is this something new? No, it's something old, and the solution is old, too, and it's in the Bible. I, I've run across so many people, all oh, the Bible is fiction, the Bible is this, and Christ never existed. Somebody told me the other day that Christ and Moses are not historical figures. Are you kidding? Anybody who is telling you that is absolutely ignorant. There is so much evidence out there that Christ existed huge volumes of what they call uh, fragments, which are, you know, portions of ancient documents that make reference to Christ, Jesus. They don't call him Christ all the time because that's Messiah or Christos, which means anointed, which means he's the king. 
Moses, huge uh, references to Moses. And people, tourists go through buildings that Moses built every day. They pay to go into those buildings. They just don't say Moses built it. They say somebody else built it. But historians, many historians, many honorable archaeologists say, oh, this was built by Moses before he disappeared for 40 years and then came back and led people out of Egypt because <laughs> they know who he is. They have statues of him as a small boy. Of course, there'll be other guys, oh, no, no, yeah, it can't be so. Because I did a paper one that said that wasn't him. <laughs> you, you know, what do you want to believe? That's what it really comes down to. But at least if you're going to choose to believe one story or another, at least get your facts straight. But anyway, uh, I was telling you, I, I know judges. I can name you judges in Pineville that actually stole property from their neighbor, stole their neighbor's property. Uh, I, I can name you judges in uh, Bend, Oregon, who got together with the uh, uh, attorneys on one side of the dispute, and on the weekend they went out and looked at the property of the ladies who they were trying to get her property from, multi-million dollar piece of property. He's actually out there photographed touring the property with the lawyers and uh, lying witnesses that were going to be in on this case. My father quit the law several times in his career because he was so disgusted. I mean, just we just packed up and moved. He was so disgusted with the criminality of judges and lawyers working to defraud people out of their property. Big money. You name the other companies in Ben that were defrauded from people uh, with the help of banks. Actually, I mean, they actually robbed these people of their property on purpose, conspired together with judges and attorneys and bankers in order to steal this person's property. Happened. Is that new? No, it's not new. If you go back to First Samuel 8, and it came to pass when Samuel was old, and he made his sons judges over Israel. And, of course, you have to understand what that means, and most of you won't understand what that means. But, you know, they were judges over Israel. How did their legal system work in Israel? Most people don't know. And we can talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, bribes, and perverted judgment. How could they do that? Well, it's really very simple. In the appeals court system of Israel, back in those ancient days, which is described in the Bible, you would be tried in your local congregations by the elders if there was a problem, if there was a dispute. That dispute would be answered by the elders in your congregation. If it was a large, involved dispute, you would have elders from numerous congregations form a jury through a process of ordire, choosing up members, elders from different congregations to decide the outcome of a dispute, criminality of such a dispute. And if you thought you did not get a fair trial, there was a place to appeal the case to. 
created out of the Levites, who were offices of service. Now, the Levites were the government of Israel. Each Levite picked a Levite minister in a system of tens, hundreds, or tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. You pick the Levite with nine other families. He picked the Levite with nine other Levites like himself who was ministers and families. And they formed this network that got all the way up to the high priest. But you were choosing an office of service. Now, how do I know it was an office of service? I mean, it's providing service to the government. It was serving the tabernacles of the congregation. That's the tents of the congregation. That's the homes of the congregation. They use that word tent several times. And actually, in this whole process of Samuel that we see all the way up to Rehoboam, they use this word tent, tabernacle, same word. When they first asked for a king under Samuel and Samuel 8, he told them to go back to their tent. When they finally decided they were going to have a king anyway, he said, go back to your city. When they come up to Rehoboam and they want their freedom back, they want to become uncivilized again. And he says, go back to your cities. And the second time when he refuses and he says, no, I'm not going to give you back your freedom, they, some of them went back to their tents. They didn't go back to their cities. They went back to their tents. These terms, tent and city, has to do with, are you king of your castle or are you civilized under the civil authority? Roman laws. Roman civil law and civil law are convertible phrases, maximum law. When you're civilized, you're brought into a common purse of rights. Now, it might be a communist purse or a democratic purse, but it's a common purse of rights where 51% of the people or 51% of the proletariat or 51% of the czar can take away your rights. And this is what they're talking about. They're talking about government. The voice of the people cried out, wanted to have a king. Why? Because the judges were corrupt and taking bribes. When you won your case against that rich guy in your community, he simply appealed up to the judges. Well, the first judges, they might have been honorable. But eventually he would give it up to judges where... They would say, oh, no, the rich man doesn't have to pay the poor man. And he would get off. Why? Because they took a bribe. They took that filthy lucre. Now, what's your solution? Their solution was to elect a king, elect a chief executive officer, a commander-in-chief of their military. That was their solution. And what was God's answer? this does it really upset Samuel and the Lord said unto Samuel hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee for they have not rejected thee but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them your desire to have a chief executive officer to reign over, to keep your judges honest, to appoint your judges, 
is a rejection of God, according to Samuel 8, verse 7. And you should not be reigned over by God. You want to be reigned over by men. And God goes on to say, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods. Most Christians today do not believe in the God of heaven. Most people claiming to be Christians today, I should say, qualifying my statement, do not serve the God of heaven, but serve other gods. So do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of king, president, prime minister, that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people and asked of that asked of him a king. Now all the people weren't evidently asking of him a king. But he told this to all the people that were asking him for this chief executive officer. This process of rejecting God. He said, he's going to reign over you. He's going to take the first fruits of your labor. He's going to take your sons and appoint them for himself. He's going to have your sons run before his chariots. Now, chariots back then were not made of depleted uranium. But they are today. And to be his horsemen. And he shall, they shall run before his chariots, put into dangerous positions. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. He's appointing them from the top down. And he will take your daughters and he will make them his servants. And he will take your fields. You won't own your land. You'll only have legal title. And if you don't pay into him, he'll take your land away and give it to somebody else. And this will eventually become so administrative he can just storm into your house with at the drop of a hat. This is where you're at. This is where you've gone. This is where you've become servants of evil, serving other gods. He'll take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards. He will give it to his officers. If he keeps taking a tenth, the thing you won't have anything. What is the income tax in France now? Up to 70, 80%. And that's just the income tax. What about all the other taxes? Sales tax, property tax, gasoline taxes. How much do you think you really pay of your labor every year? And you should. And you should feel the sting of it because you've been slothful in the ways of God. So how would you have solved this problem of corrupt judges other than electing a chief executive officer to appoint judges over you? How would you do that? You would come together in congregations. You would see to it that righteousness prevailed. There would be a suing cry. You would come out and you'd say, who elected these takers of bribes? 
we will break from them. We will break the bonds that have connected to them. How do they do that? You are my minister, and you pick that man, and he picked that man, and that man took a bribe. And I want to see change. And up that chain of servants, there would be change. We'll be back and tell you exactly how that can work for you today. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're talking about the kingdoms that are not of God, which is the kingdom that most people are a part of today, because they've gone a-whoring after strange gods. They have rejected God. They have returned to the bondage of Egypt, all of which is explained in detail in books that we have available on the net for free. The truth is there to read, to hear, for free but in order for you to really hear it and for it really to enter into you you must act upon it and that's not free and you'll pay me but you're going to have to pay recompense for the fact that you have accepted a lie a strong delusion 
that you're saved when you're not saved. You haven't accepted Jesus Christ. You don't even know who he was. You don't even know what he was talking about, what he was preaching. You haven't been seeking the kingdom of God nor the righteousness of God. You have been brought under a strong delusion and back into the bondage of Egypt, the bondage of Babylon, and now you need to repent. Now, the good news is is that you can repent. You can do something different. Now, a lot of you are still having trouble understanding the fact that you've gone whoring after strange gods. And we just talked about in the hour before about the fact that this idea of judges being appointed from the top down, this idea that centralized government is the way of God. Some people actually try to tell you that the Constitution of the United States is, is um, you know, like it was written by God. And if you read Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, you will see that the Constitution of the United States actually left out major things that God said you had to put in your Constitution. Most of what God said to put in your Constitution, if you're going to be foolish enough to have a king, a centralized authority, and a, a chief executive officer, a commander-in-chief who can rule over you, give you a list of things to put in there, write down, and have him read, and the priests read every day. Priests, who are these priests? That's not the guys you have in your local congregations and ministers. That's not the, the priests you have in your Catholic church or the Methodist church or your Episcopalian church. Those aren't your priests. Your priests are down at the county seat in the Capitol building. Those are where your priests are. Those are the ministers who minister to the tents that you live in, to the homes that you live in. That's your government. In Israel, the priests were your government. But it was a free government because you didn't have to tithe to any particular individual. You didn't even have to tithe to anybody. You tithed to them according to their service, and you empowered them to serve you and provide the needs of your society. But if they weren't providing a service, you didn't have to pay them. If you're in a government where you have to pay the ministers of your government, whether or not they provide you with service or not, then you are in bondage. Write it down. Figure it out. And if you can be punished by men for not tithing to those ministers, it is because those men are your gods. Now, you don't believe me. I know you don't believe me, some of you. Exodus 21.6. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door and unto the door post. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. This is when you could only have a servant for seven years, and then you had to let him go. If a guy was in debt to you, he might have to serve you until he's paid back that debt. And if the debt was beyond what he could pay back, you still could only keep him as a servant for seven years. And you had to let him go. But if he didn't want to go, he could go to the judges. 
and say, I want to be your servant forever. And the judges would write this down and mark it out, and they would commemorate it by putting a ring in his ear. All you guys who want to wear rings in your ear, that's a, that's a sign of bondage, that you're somebody's slave forever. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'd, I'd choose to be a slave. If I had a choice, be a slave in Sodom and Gomorrah or be a slave to Abraham, I'll be a slave to Abraham. If that's my choice. Because I know that Abraham loves freedom. He will want to set me free, give me choices. But that word judges in Exodus 21 6 is the word Elohim. The translated God. It is the word for God and God. These are the gods, the judges that you choose that rule over you, to have the right to decide what is good and evil for you. Whether you pass the goal or whether you go directly to jail. They're your gods, they're your judges. Exodus 22.9 For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox or ass or sheep or raiment or for any manner of lost thing which another challenges it to be his, and cause both parties shall come before the judges. What word is that judges translated from? And whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double into his neighbor. That's the word Elohim again. Translated judges. Because that's what Elohim means, ruling judge. Who is the ruling judge of your life? Is it Judge Roberts? Is it Judge O'Connor when she was became Supreme Court Justice? Those are your gods. And who's appointing those gods? Who's the appointer of gods in the United States? the president. That's why the Capitol Dome has that picture, Apotheos of Washington, a pointer of God. That's what that means. George Washington became the appointer of God because he could appoint federal judges throughout the empire. That's why Augustus Caesar was called a god because he was the appointer of God. He judged who should be the judges in the Federal Empire. Bill Clinton was a god. He appointed the judge, all the federal judges. He fired them all and appointed new ones the next day. Or actually, I think it was the same day. Obama is a god. He appoints the judges over you. And you've got, you fall into this state because you have looked to those gods for justice, for control over your neighbor. You look to the greatest destroyers of freedom are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits, and public school is a benefit. Every single congregation of Christ should be working diligently to free the families of their congregation 
from public schools. And the influence of public school, which means most of you have to go back to school, back to learning, to learn what you didn't learn when you were in school. And you need to work together to do that. That's part of repenting, going back and taking back the responsibility of becoming an educated individual. I don't even like the word educated, but we got to use some of their terms. <laughs> Exodus 21:22. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges from the word uh, translated prayer. That word is not the same Elohim. It's a different word. If we go back into the Old Testament, or even uh, other places, we'll see quite a few places where, uh, several places where the word Elohim is translated judges. But then there are other words like Shabbat, a translated judge. It's also translated avenge, condemn, execute, judgment, defend, deliver. But it's a very different word than what we see uh, translated other places in the Bible into judges. They have completely different words that are translated into judges in numerous places. Paleo is one, and it actually comes from the word uh, that means prayer, sort of. I mean, it's translated prayer about 70 times, but it's also translated uh, supplication. If you judge it proper to ask a man who calls himself a benefactor but exercise authority for a benefit, then you are opposing the words of Christ. If you think it is good to elect a man who can exercise authority over your neighbor and take from your neighbor so that you can have more stuff, more benefits, you're not only opposing Christ, you're opposing God. You're certainly opposing Moses. And you're not a follower of Moses. So if you think a Jew is someone who follows Moses, you're not one. I mean, there's a multiple definitions of the word Jew, but uh, I don't know if you think you're Jewish. If you belong to a Jewish religion and are following Moses, forget it. If you have diverse weights in your pocket... You know, Federal Reserve notes have no value, according to the Federal Reserve System. And you have those in your pocket, and you use them as money. And you know they have no value, and you should. Then what commandment are you breaking? Bearing false witness? Yeah. Covering your neighbor, neighbor's good a little bit because of the fact that the, the repercussions of using such notes, it, it falls under that. So that means you can't use Federal Reserve notes anymore? No, you just have to use them honestly. I don't know how many times I've been in a store and I've asked them, will you, will you take a note or do you want real money? And I explain that. 
I still do that from a, from time to time, but the fact is, is I, I spend my life trying to explain these precepts of Christ, which are the precepts of God, because the truth is precept upon precept, that I think that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't say more on the subject. But how many people are we getting out to today? The newsletter, I think, is, is finished going out, so everybody could have uh, turned into the radio. I did see that a number of people signed on in the chat room. I had to mute that so it wasn't constantly binging, but we see a few more people coming on. Uh, uh, I don't know. They're talking about JFK. Weren't people thinking that because they thought that JFK and RFK were good leaders to, uh, oops, it jumped on me, <laughs> to do, they elected their JFK kids to rule too. Uh, the fact is, is uh, I'm not sure where that, I haven't been following that, and I can't do it and give you a good program, but uh, uh, I see different people uh, answering and responding. I recognize some of these uh, people, but the mere idea of having an executive officer, a president, a king, is a mistake, but that's where you're at. Now you want to have your freedom. Like they asked Rehoboam to give them their freedom. And Rehoboam said no. They had to walk away from the inheritance. Of David. Because that was tied up in Rehoboam. And they had given David the right to rule over them. Now, you have to realize that Israel wasn't all in that place we call Judea, in that place they call Israel today. Israel was wherever the faithful go and lay their foot, and the faithful had gone all over the world. The history of that little locality, that's where the king was. Many of the people still walk in the ways of David. Well, not, no, excuse me, not the ways of David, but the ways of Abraham. Israel was walking in the ways of Abraham better than Moses was. That's why he could give advice to Moses. But that history of that particular group of Israel brought in kings, contrary to the ways of God. The voice of the people cried out. So that's where you're at in America. You've given power to the gods of this world, this organized system of constitutional order or government. You have said yes to them and taken their free education that's educated you in how to be a slave in Babylon. You have done this. Now, how do you escape that? How do you become free of that? How did the Israelites become free when they were in bondage and the Pharaoh said, I don't want to let you go? It wasn't even the rightful Pharaoh. The rightful Pharaoh was Moses. He had the better claim to the throne, but he didn't want the throne. He didn't want to rule over you. He wanted you to come out into the wilderness and worship the real God, not these gods that you have chosen for yourself, these benefactors who exercise authority, these men who call themselves servants but are rulers of men, these sodomites. Hey, Greg. Yes. <clears throat> what was going on in the chat room 
it might um, might be something you want to touch on before you explain how people can come out of it. The question was posed by someone when Samuel grew old, coming out of 1 Samuel 8.22, he appointed or made his sons uh, judges over Israel. And so the kind of the talk was about how these sons were now kind of brought out because Samuel was getting old. I mentioned that, you know, when I get old and feeble, my sons will take over my family, and then they will be elected to serve other families as public servants, but I can't remove them from office if they go bad, those people that elected them. But the question is, is that it appears that uh, these sons were actually appointed over Israel as leaders rather than being elected as servants. Uh, and that's kind of where people are getting hung up, that they were already right. being appointed. And, you know, I can, I, can, I can address that because that's really, uh, and I understand how our thinking, because we've lived so long in bondage, we can't quite understand how a free government actually operates. And, of course, we'll take it down to the very basics, and that, that was Scott's voice there that came in there. He, he was trying to remain quiet during the show. <laughs> I saw those emails where you say, I just want to be the little moderator. I don't want to actually come up. <laughs> but it's always great to hear him come in there because he's always got something good to say. But let me uh, take the heat off you for a second, Scott. <laughs> and look, look, at the only institution of government that God created was the family. God instituted the family. He didn't institute all these other governments. And a free government... You never give power to your ministers or leaders. You give them power over stuff you actually give them. You give them a donation, they have power over that donation. And if you give it as a burnt offering, you give it over to them entirely. But they are sons of somebody. When I point out that when you elect a minister, his sons and what kind of men they are, if they're young men, you know, maybe they're teenagers, they're going to be a part of the ministry of your minister to your son. So you have to look at his son. That's why they have to be men whose families are in some kind of order. Because that's going to tell you, do I really want this man to be a minister in my free assembly? Okay, so now he grows old, but his sons are what? I mean, what were the sons of Samuel at that time? They were probably in their 40s or 50s, maybe even older than that. And they had sons, and they had sons. Because when you elected a minister, you elected his whole family. His wife would be ministering to women. This is because everything is hinged around the family, and the family is one person in the government of God. It's one individual thing. No more twain, but one. And those sons are not even whole sons. Now, they were his sons, and they were corrupt, and I'm sure that Samuel was going around saying, hey, you guys, did you take a bribe here? It's terrible. You know, he knew they were corrupt. and But they had a position. He didn't have the power to appoint them as judges over you. The way in which they got the power to be judges over you is through this process of picking your minister. And your minister picked this minister. And your minister picked that minister. And somebody picked 
the sons of Samuel to be their minister. If you you have power over that chain of picking, because if your minister picks a man who picks a man who picks a man who's not good, you have power to say, I'm not gonna pick you anymore. And you can break away, you can you can disconnect those bonds that bind you to that system and do something about it. But it requires that you are actually networking and listening to the reports coming down from the top of this network. Not of rulers, but of servants. But this power of acquittal, which you have way down there at the bottom, is meant to protect you from tyrants, which is that process of jury nullification. But, okay, so we could have done that. If we were attending to business and not slothful, we could have got rid of the sons of Samuel. So they would still be rulers and judges over anybody who picked them. Not, I shouldn't say rulers, but they could make these rulings of judgment. They couldn't draft you. They couldn't tax you. But they could let guys off the hook that were being unfair and unjust because they could acquit them. And this is why, you know, a lot of people think, oh, the, you know, this bloodthirsty system that's set up by Moses and all this stuff. No, it was an extremely benevolent system, but it required due diligence on your part. Slothful, it wouldn't work for. So they could have broke the ties and power of the filthy lucre of the sons of Samuel simply by not picking ministers who pick them. But that corruption and the sloth of the people is what allowed this to continue. But instead they wanted to pick someone who could straighten this all up at the top. Out, They just wanted to pick a guy who was really honorable. See, what was Saul doing at the time? It was somebody who was unjustly treating the people, and he went after them. And he was setting things right. And they said, well, let's give him power to set things right. Let's make him a king like the other people, and he'll straighten this out. And we don't have to spend all this time at it. Now, I got called yesterday by a former prosecuting attorney who's been disbarred for irritating the court <laughs> because he's gone after the corrupt judges and tried to expose them. I mean, they have. this guy has been beat up. This guy has been thrown in jail. They tried to prove him crazy, and he is a little crazy in order to do all this, but uh, he he knows some of the uh, su superior court justices here in Oregon, and uh, they said, oh, you're going to fight him. <laughs> you're going to fight the corruption. Uh, he's got a, uh offer out, $1,000 to anybody who wants to defend the Oregon Bar Association <laughs> as a legitimate organization. He says, nobody will touch it. You know, and he goes on the radio and fights all the time. But anyway, he was contacting me because I've been court watcher. I go into the court and sit there and watch what's going on, and it takes time. And the fact is, if you had real congregations, this is what you would do. Is you would pay your minister for the day to go in there and find out what is going on in there. And he would bring the Holy Spirit into that. And you would look for those people who not were whining and complaining about the problem, but were actually willing to stand up for righteousness. And I can tell you what would happen. If you could form these free assemblies 
where people actually showed up for each other and were there for each other and supported one another, even financially supported one another when you needed to. And they came after you. You would have a thousand people show up at the courthouse when they tried to give you a traffic ticket. And they would say, I don't want that guy in here anymore. And they would tell the cops, don't give him tickets anymore. Because I don't want him in here. Because when he comes in, a thousand guys show up. Why were the Israelites carrying all these horns? We're going to have a guy out here. Uh, I'm not sure when he's coming out here, but uh, we've been in contact with him. He makes those shafars. I don't know. Blow your shafar or blowyourhorn.com. I can't remember what his website is. But anyway, uh, they had him because if you attacked, you cheated, you abused an Israelite in these countries where they lived because they, they were free men, remember. No persona jurisdiction. And they kept themselves free because they depended on each other. They took care of each other. They showed up for each other. If you were, they would blow the Shafar. And Israelites would show up. And really quick, Amalekites and Malachites, they realized, if you mess with them, suddenly thousands of Israelites showed up because of what? Huge cry. Which takes us back to the beginning of the show. The healing cry. They just show up with sharp things, yeah, but they show up. And real quick, guys don't like that. Street lights supposedly stop crime. Why? Because they expose what's going on. That's all you have to do is start exposing what's going on. That's what I'm trying to do is expose the fact. But people don't want to know, I screwed up. They want to say, Obama screwed up. Or George Bush screwed up. Or Bill Clinton screwed up. No, you screwed up. You went to public school. You sent your kids to public school. I don't know how many people have come to me in the local area that talk about my kids being so good and all this stuff, and their kids come home with these goofy ideas. Come home from where? From the public school you sent them to, for God's sake. Figure it out. Where is it coming from? And I don't want to blame everybody in public school because they all went to public school. And their fathers went to public school. And it's been incremental brainwashing that somehow or other today you think it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your child's education, to buy a pool for the public school, to buy books for the public school. It's for the kids. I think it's great to educate. We made a stop yesterday to buy some books from a homeschooler. We're done with them. You got, what did Richard say, it was $120 worth of books for 10 bucks or something like that. I can't remember what he said. But uh, that's what they were doing. They're homeschooling. But that's hard sometimes. But it's not hard if you get together in free assembly. But you have to actually show up. It's not enough to have a shofar and blow it once a year. You have to start coming together. And that's what the Living Network is all about, is connecting them. They could have got rid of the corruption of Samuel's son because it was not top-down appointment. He, they were what they were because they were Samuel's sons, but they didn't follow all in his way. We don't know about all the sons. I mentioned a couple of them. But uh, 
couple of them were corrupt. He could have got rid of them by attending to the network. And that's why I encourage all of our PCMs and ministers of record to do this recognition thing and withdraw recognition when you don't think somebody's doing what they should be doing. And and make your congregations aware of this. And your congregations are free assembly. We'll talk more about this when we return in half an hour. To get those questions in the chat room, because I'll have a few minutes to read them. <laughs> Put lots of question marks if you have a question. So I can find them. Can't read talk at the same time. I was chewing gum and wouldn't hear a word out of me. <laughs> That's it. Good idea. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology? From the creation in his word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773.
Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Jesus of the Kingdom. I uh, looked a little bit at the uh, chat room, and I see they were talking about the word boat. And somebody brought up the fact that the word boat is not in the Bible. Well, the word vow is, and the word vow is, at least the, what they translate into the English, uh, actually is uh, uh, a word that... Uh, uh, is nun delas resh, which uh, resh usually has to do with um, ruling in some form or another. And uh, it's defined as a voted, votive offering. And, of course, if we take the word vote and you find the origins of the word vote, it has to do with that idea of vow. And these things evolve slowly and so that the meaning of words uh, becomes distorted. When you, uh, in the New Testament, you have a couple different words that are translated vow. One of them actually means prayer. And we were just t- talking about one of the words that is translated into judges or judge comes from a Hebrew word that actually means prayer, while another word translated judge or judges actually means God. Big distinction, although prayer and God are made together, even the word worship, what does that mean? So we, we've created a whole realm of understanding outside of the thinking of the time. So now we're using some of those same words and we're trying to go back uh, we see in, in Second Samuel fifteen seven where it says, "Let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron." And they talk about in First uh, Samuel one twenty one. It says, "And the yearly sacrifice and his vow offered unto the Lord his yearly sacrifice." That's paying his taxes. But the, the taxes in Israel were voluntary, free will offerings. Your vow was your word, your prayer, your vote. And the substance of that vote was your sacrifice. This is my minister. And here is my sacrifice. And I sacrifice this unto the Lord to this man because I believe that he is doing the work of the Lord. But now you're in a system where you have made one vow that you will support the ruler, the resh, resh. That's when you see resh, resh, two of them in a row in the language. Sometimes the last two letters, sometimes the first two letters. They're talking about rulers, not leaders, but rulers. Shem, resh, resh. Not Shemresh. Men. <laughs> you, the system of government is either giving you, empowering you to make a choice. That's a free government. And to keep the power to make that choice daily. Will I support this minister? See, that's your power. You see your minister picking that minister who you think is dishonest, 
you tell them, I don't like that choice. You can make it, but I don't have to support you anymore. Because the power is with whom? It's with you. You're the state. In a state of nature, in a state of freedom, under God. That is the kingdom of God. You still have a vow. You still have a votive offering you may make, a sacrifice. But your right to make that remains with you. Today, I tie to this man because I think he's on the right track. When you find he's not on the right track, stop tithing to him. You would have seen the son, the criminal son. The, the, see, it's always hard to prove things like filthy lucre, bribery. We see the conclusion there, but it isn't like they publish it. I took a bribe today. You see the evidence of it. These guys were politicians of sorts. They could make themselves look very good. They could go through a lot of motions. We see this in pastors and ministers all the time. But behind the scenes, they're, they're molesting boys. Behind the scenes, they're taking filthy lucre. Behind the scenes, they're saying, yes, vote for this guy. And moving the minds of the people because they're not, their minds don't belong to them. They haven't learned to take power. And now that is something we'll probably talk about in Freedomizer more this afternoon, is how do you take that power back? Well, you have to take that responsibility back. You have to start becoming a moral agent in your community and start with your own congregations. And I say congregations of record because it's a congregation of vow. It's your votive offering, your votive action. You're saying, yes, I'm going to pick a minister. It's not perfect. But I think he's striving for the same free government that I'm striving for. And then you have to really put an effort into it and make a sacrifice and support his effort. And he has to support the efforts of others and work together. We don't know how to do that anymore as a free society. I mean, we're like babes crawling around on the floor. Or haven't even learned to roll over yet in the ways of God. Can you imagine? Think for a second. You know, draw a movie if you want in your mind of a thousand men who are self-starters and men of initiative, men of self-sacrifice, men who show up, who hear a cry, a noise, and come out and find out what it is. Brave men, courageous men, self-sacrificing men, patient men. Loving them, caring them, gentlemen, thousands of them, seeking not only the right to be ruled by God, but the righteousness of God in everything that they do. Minute men for Christ, minute men for righteousness. You think they make make a difference in your community? <laughs> you think that bullies would disappear like water in the desert? They would. But you ain't that way. This nation has lost those people. And society has geared itself, and, and because of the, the way in which, the means by which we hold society together, we have smothered those guys, and the breath of life is not in them. 
It will come again as hard times come. But the more waking up we do now, the more in shape we get for running that race, the better off we will be. The better job we will do, the more blessings God will give us. If he gives you knowledge and you do not act upon it, he will take it away. He tells you that in the story of the town. So it's not enough to listen to this radio show or the recording of it. You actually have to start networking together and connecting with others. Why? So that they can help you? No, because you will not get any value in that. So that you may get physical value in it. Because you will get no spiritual value. You have to come, like Christ came, to serve others. You don't go to church because, oh, I really like that church. I mean, I feel so good every time I go to that church. I mean, the feeling I get, and I love the singing. <laughs> you can't do that. you got to go to church for the truth that you can bring, the righteousness you can bring, the service you can bring to others. Be careful about casting pearls the swine, though. But uh, that's what you need to do. And, yes, you elect. I elect to support this man today. And the more you say, I will never support that guy again, <laughs> at least until I see him repenting, because the power remains with you. And your votive offering to God into his hands upon that living stone is a free will choice that remains with you. You can't take back what you gave because it's burned up to you. But you've got to let go of it and say, okay, let's see what you can do with that. And right now, you should be picking PCMs on the Living Network and saying, let's see what you can do with this choice to connect me with other men and women who are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not my self-righteousness, not my religious righteousness, his righteousness. Now, I can't tell you exactly what that is. I'm seeking it, too. But your vote is what you elect to do today. It's your prayer. I pray you take this money. I pray you take this thing and do God's service with it. And that's your prayer today. Tomorrow you say, I'm going to pray with this guy next time because <laughs> I didn't see you do a thing. And I see there are PCMs on the group. I don't see him doing anything. I don't know. I may be missing it, but the PCMs, the personal contact ministers of these men, are their personal contact ministers. I cannot take away the choice of those people to pick that. There's there's all kinds of people that have picked uh, contact ministers on the network, and those contact ministers aren't doing anything in the network. They're not a part of it, and they have not changed their election. And they're missing out because most of the information is passed through a living network and not upon the, P, the email group. But And I won't take that away, but if I don't see a PCM doing what it says a PCM will do, I'm not putting them up on my website. I'm not going to hold them up in the air and say, hey, there's a guy who says he's going to do this and does it. When I see, yeah, he said he was going to do it, but I don't see him doing it. Because I've actually had guys that say, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then they tell me they're going to sit on the sidelines. 
That's what I, I just want to sit on the sideline. That's not what you volunteered. That where does it say PCM is to sit on the sidelines and do nothing for three months about connecting anybody with anybody else? He is. What does it say? He's not supposed to get to know the other PCM. It says the contrary. So if you're not doing it, I'm not going to testify that you're doing it. I withdraw my testimony. Now we have the wiki site where, but the PCMs themselves must clean that site up. I don't see you doing it. I don't hear you doing it. Tell me, show me where you're doing it, and maybe I will change my mind. But right now I'm withdrawing my acknowledgement of that. And more and more as we get into this, we will be doing that on a regular basis. You must become the police of your society, or there will be others that stop, oh, glad to take that position. The kingdom of heaven is for the diligent, not for the slothful, for the responsible, not for the irresponsible. And liberty should not be expected as a result of that. A vote uh, is not necessarily, by definition, to choose another god uh, before him. A vote is, like I just said, I just saw, I just read that out of the chat room. Uh, it can be. It just depends on what uh, election booth you're going to. If you're going to an election booth in the United States government or Canada or Australia, those governments. Yeah, you are choosing, actually not even choosing a God, you're choosing an appointer of God. When you elect a president, he's an appointer of God. Read, read Rome versus us. Read God's many. Those are all articles on that. We explain that. But in the kingdom of God, you still have a vote. You still have a votive offering. You still have taxes. We call them tithes. Nobody kicks in your door and forces you to give to this guy or that guy. That's your cho choice. That's your prayer. That's your offering. You decide how you want to do it because it's a free assembly. But we can still call it a vote, an election. I'm electing this man to connect me. I am electing a servant. Again, you create offices of service. Men who seek service will seek office. If you're out there electing offices of men who exercise authority one over the other, well then, yeah, your vote is going to end up picking men who are other gods. There's a lot of people I know that talk about the kingdom of heaven, and they think that the kingdom of heaven is not being a part of the world. You cannot be a part of the world and still not be in the kingdom of heaven. You could just be adrift. The kingdom of heaven is a system of self-government, of self-individual responsibility, of people who are willing to come together, not in free associations, but in free assemblies, because they have not forsaken the gathering together. And they pick ministers, and they support those ministers, and those ministers are men of service like Christ. Now, to do that, requires due diligence on the part of everyone. To be careful, you do not put your minister on a pedestal of power, but that you fill his foot-washing bowl with enough water so he can do his job. And, it's, and the thing is, you won't know who to pick unless the Spirit of God is in you. You will end up, like many of the people of Israel, starting to pick men like the sons 
of Samuel who were dishonest. I'm, I'm assuming that Samuel had other sons who might not have been dishonest. But he had a couple of sons who were dishonest. And people couldn't see their dishonesty. You know why? Because they were not honest. Disassociation with the dishonest is as important as coming together with those seeking righteousness. And this is really hard to do now because we are complex. There's a portion of everybody here that is not perfect. And there's a portion of many people here that seek the perfection of Christ. And only due diligence and striving and self uh, reflection will bring you to the full knowledge of yourself. And with that will come better knowledge of who should be your minister, who you should support and elect and vow, pray with. Because that's where the word vow comes from. That's where the word vote comes from. Prayer. What are you praying for? That God should rule over you or that other men should rule over you? Are you praying to be of service to your neighbor because you love your neighbor as yourself? Are you praying that your neighbor be service to you? You see, it's very simple, the division between the kingdom of God and everything else. Right now, everything else is predominant in your life. And it will remain so until the dominance in your life becomes the way of Christ, who elected to appoint apostles to positions in the kingdom, but told them not to exercise authority one over the other. But what we're electing today in the United States, not me, but the people of the United States, or Canada, or Australia, or England, or France, or wherever. Interesting story about France and their 70% income tax. They just elected a socialist government who's promised to hire more teachers and law enforcement. I'm not, I'm not going to hire any teachers in law enforcement. <laughs> Excuse me, because I don't have any money to do it with anyway. Because I'm not going to take your money from you. If you want to support us, that's your choice. Different government. We're the government of service. We're the government seeking to make God the ruler of your life. But it's still a government. It's still an actual physical government. That's what the church is defined as, one form of government. What kind of form of government? A government entirely dependent upon faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. We're returning every man to his family. And in that family, the elder of that family, the leader of that family, needs to get together with in a free assembly with other families and pick a man of service. Look out amongst yourselves and pick men you trust and put them over the business of the government of God, but not over the people, over the job. And if they don't do the job, don't support them and change your election and make a record of it so that we know this is this man's minister. 
And what, if you diligently do that, you can get rid of the ones who take filthy lucre without trying to elect a man who can exercise authority. I'm not going to get rid of them. All those people who elected those guys who wouldn't do the job of PCM, they still have them elected. Now, I may take them off the network eventually, but they will still have their election free. They elected somebody who's doing nothing, not bringing them together, not building a network, and that was their choice. And they have to live with their choice. And I have to live with my choices. And that's called living with responsibility. And if you become a responsible individual, you might actually become a freeman. under God. And depend upon his sovereignty. Because it's not my will, but thine. But most people don't even know what God's will is. That's why they've got all these goofy churches out there that have led them back into the bondage of Egypt. And tell them, oh, you're saved, though. Don't worry about anything. Don't look behind the curtain. Don't realize that you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Don't realize that you're back in the bondage of Babylon. Don't realize that you pray to Nimrod. Don't realize that you have many gods before the God of heaven who tell you what you can do and what you can't do. People say, oh, well, we have to do what government tells us to do something immoral. You mean like covet your neighbor's goods, force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare by using men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority? That's all contrary to what Christ said. So you're already doing contrary to what Christ said, and you're doing it on a daily basis, and it's a matter of policy. And so you don't know Christ, and you are not saved. You are a worker of iniquity. And I am telling this to you because I love you. And I don't want to see you cast out and condemned and go to your grave under a strong delusion, which is what you're under right now. I want you to repent, turn around, start following the ways of Christ, hear the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, somebody asked, uh, you put a bunch of question marks, so I got it. Uh, Greg, should I, we document why we change our election? Well, it depends on why you change your election. If you pick a different PCM, uh, just because you want to try out a different guy, you want to get to know him, you want to, you think he might do a better job. I mean, it's your choice. Now, if, if you, if there's, if you saw the guy doing something really bad, <laughs> You should warn other people, you know, if this guy is a pit of danger, uh, you should, you know, I don't know if we have that situation, you should warn other people. You know, that in a small community, there's always certain people you should not trust and uh, not depend on, and they're liars and cheats, and nobody tells you about that when <laughs> you first come into the community. They don't want to gossip, and, you know, I'm not going to say it's always badly motivated. But, uh, uh, you know, the fact is, is that certain people are dangerous. You know, there are ways to communicate that. And sometimes it's just a look. Oh, you're going to hire so-and-so to fix your roof? <laughs> the guy says, yeah. Someone, oh, well, no, no, I 
wouldn't want to say anything. <laughs> but, you know, catch the hint. You know, but, uh, you know, why you change? And there's so many varied reasons. And maybe just you want to try somebody out. Uh, maybe he's a little bit closer. Uh, if you think it's to benefit somebody else to share, why? Okay. Uh, but there's no obligation to do it. It's completely your choice. And we encourage you to change your contact minister uh, if that is what you are being led to do. Because ultimately, each of us are being led or not being led by the Holy Spirit. And learning how to do that is hot body in the government to get discussed. But we're at the end of another fun two hours. So God bless. May peace be with you. Thank you. Thank Paul for making this possible. Thank everybody for being God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.